Welcome to the Great A Movies Podcast. I'm Adam Austin, filling in for Larry Lannon. I don't have the deep, dulcet, baritone voice of Larry Lannon, but hopefully I'm an okay fill-in today with some movie knowledge of some movies that have uh, recently come out and some that have yet to come out that you might be interested in. And we'll also talk about uh, kind of any movie news that we think is uh, interesting. We're going to hit on that Marvel, Disney, uh, Scarlett Johansson lawsuit and how that may affect the movie industry. First off, I want to greet and welcome my co-host, Alec Toombs, another writer with the Grade A Movies podcast, uh, Movies website, and with uh, the Film Yap. We both write for the Film Yap as well. Good to see you, Alec. You as well, Adam. Thanks. All right. So we're going to start off today with a movie that just came out last weekend. Uh, that me and Alec actually went and saw together. Uh, Follow-up by David Lowry, which you might know from uh, Pete's Dragon, Ain't Them Body Saints, A Ghost Story. Am I missing anything, Alec, that he's done? Uh, The Old Man and the Gun. That was a great one with Robert Redford. Uh, He's a little artsier director that can be hit or miss for some, and he's come back with a highly anticipated uh, adaptation of a King Arthur tale, although King Arthur doesn't appear in it. Uh, called The Green Knight, starring Dev Patel. You might know from uh, Slumdog Millionaire, although he's kind of uh, more muscular and hairy than he was back then. Uh, He looks more like the lion, uh, Dev Patel. And uh, it also features um, from uh, Alicia Vikander, who you might have seen in Tomb Raider, The Danish Girl, and Ek Machina. She's an Oscar winner for Best Supporting Actress. Um, This was a divisive film. Some people really love it, and some people thought, what the heck is going on? So, Alec, what is your take on The Green Knight? I'll preface this by saying I don't think I was in the best condition to see a movie this slow at the time I saw it. I'd worked a whole uh, bartending shift. I'd had a few beers. I'd had a large burrito and a few margaritas before the movie. So I was sort of fighting uh, sleepiness. I never went to sleep, but it got close a time or two. Um, I probably owe the movie another watch. I neither loved nor hated uh, The Green Knight. I would award it three out of five stars, so a marginal recommendation. Um, It's slow. I don't know entirely what it's trying to say, but it is gorgeous to look at. So that's my take on it. So I think maybe a little higher – I may be a little higher on this one than you. Uh, it was interesting. I, you have to be in the right mindset to watch this one. As we came into the theater, I think you were using the restroom. I actually got out my phone during the previews to, you know, do the check-in saying, watching the movie. And immediately the person next to me was like, are you going to have your phone out the entire movie? Like really upset. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll put my phone away. Well, that person fell asleep and started snoring within like five minutes of the movie, woke up another like 10, 20 minutes later and just left. Yeah, yeah. So it was interesting. They were mad at me being on the phone and they were snoring in the film. But I don't know. I mean, it is a slower movie. It is arts here, but that's as advertised. I don't think anyone has uh, been denying that fact. My opinion is I really love the first part of the movie. Uh, there's a journey that this character, Sir Gawain, uh, or Garwin, is it Garwin they say it? I think but, it's Gawain. 
Yeah, but they, they always sound when they in the movie it sounded like they were saying Garwin. Which well, I, I had a question with your lead in. Did you say yeah. King Arthur was or was not in the movie? King Arthur is not in the movie. Lancelot, Guinevere. Who, who's Sean Harris in the movie? The, the guy who's his uncle. That is another king of sorts. Okay. I kind of figured that was Arthur. So I probably shouldn't have drank so much before I went and saw the movie. That's a long That's story. what I read elsewhere. I'll have, maybe I'll look that up on uh, IMDb. To see I, I, I like Sean Harris a lot. He's been in the last few Mission Impossible movies. He's a good yeah. actor. It was cool to see him. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so someone once wrote, they said they, they really love the film Excalibur, if you remember that movie. Uh, or even they had a recent King Arthur movie by Guy Ritchie with Charlie Hunnam. uh, This movie's better than that. It's also better than Antoine Fuqua's uh, Jerry Bruckheimer produced movie from the mid aughts, I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of different takes. This one is obviously an artsier take. I thought the beginning was pretty strong before the character goes on the journey. And I thought the end when the character finally achieves his quest and goes on the journey. I thought the last 15, 20 minutes were good. In the middle is a kind of a plotless, but interesting uh, episodes of incidents that the character goes on that I could take or leave. And it's not a high compliment to the film that while I found all of those scenes interesting, I wasn't, I was wondering what was gonna happen uh, you could have cut them and replaced them with a completely different scene and it probably wouldn't have changed the movie. So I don't know if that's a compliment that they were so uh, dispensable, so to speak. But um, it has amazing imagery. I think Chris Lloyd in the film Yap wrote that you could take almost any frame of this movie and put it on a wall. It's so beautiful. The music was great. It was very soothing if you are trying to sleep. And uh, I thought the acting was incredible too but i agree with you some some of the story didn't make sense there there's times the audience is going to be confused about what's happening and you may even be wondering what was what was the meaning what was this all about but it's a challenge if you like to be challenged if you like movies that may not fit for everybody uh, i know we have some mutual friends we can probably think of who will we know we'll love this movie just based on their film tastes. You, you um, and I are really but it cool isn't for everyone. I'm going to give it four. I think four? I cooled on it since after I saw it. Yeah. It was um, a good movie. It's just, I, I owe it another watch at some point. My initial rating, though, is a three out of five. Uh, beautiful it, looking, just not much else. I think we give it to four to four and a half, somewhere in there. I mean, four and a half, I'd be a little high, maybe four. Okay. You know what I might compare it to? When I first watched Midsummer, another A24 film, I didn't, I was interested, but I didn't love it the first time I saw it. Oh, I loved that movie from the get go. And then now, I mean, I own it on like Blu ray, like the special director's cut, and I probably watched it five times. Uh, and it's grown onto me so much that now I, I consider it like a masterpiece. I, I, I don't know. I think Green Knight. I liked it, and I think watching it again, I think it's going to grow on me even more. I really think so. I did like the title cards in the movie. Sometimes they were kind of hard to read because they were so stylized, but they were really cool looking. So, uh, review. Green Knight, uh, both of us agree. If you're interested in kind of an artsier take, go see it. If you want a traditional uh, Jerry Bruckheimer action film, this is not for you. 
All right. So next up, we have an option that is available on streaming or you can go to theaters and it is the newest offering in the DC extended universe, but from a Marvel director in James Gunn doing a somewhat sequel, somewhat reboot of Suicide Squad. This time it's called The Suicide Squad. They just added a a pronoun to make it a little uh, differentiate there. Uh, Some actors return, like Margot Robbie, Jai Courtney, and um, Joel Kinnaman, while other actors don't, like Will Smith and Jared Leto. Uh, There's some uh, new faces, like John Cena, Michael Rooker, um, you know, uh, Elba. Idris Elba, David Dalsmali. How do you ever say his last Dalsh name? Dalshin, I think. Yeah, creepy guy with the weird eyes. Uh, and the end result, at least in my opinion, is a really fun movie. Uh, more of an ensemble cast, I think, than the first one. The first one, I think they tried to push Margot Robbie and Will Smith a little too much front and center, and some of the other characters didn't really get their time to shine. This is a true ensemble cast where every character kind of gets their shining moments. It's full of humor. It's weird. It's quirky. It's R-rated. It's full of humor. If you are a fan of James Gunn, they let James Gunn do his vision for this movie, which is completely different than David Ayer's with Suicide Squad. It seems like DC as a studio doesn't really trust its directors uh, to do what they want or set out to do. If you look at Zack Snyder, they had the Snyder cut where he puts out uh, a movie, Justice T, uh, Justice, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Justice, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Justice League. I say Justice Squad. I was about to say Squad. Justice Squad. I know. That's that's the uh, the great value version of that movie there is Justice know. Squad. Um, but he puts out a film and obviously his vision wasn't put out to screen. David Ayer had the same comments with Suicide Squad. So they don't seem to trust their directors. Unlike Marvel, which, um, you know, there's been some back and forth between directors in the studio there. But generally, I think they they let the directors do some of their vision within the uh, studio rules. Uh, Alec, what did you think of the Suicide Squad? My expectations for this movie were through the roof. They were probably unrealistic. Uh, as a whole, I liked the movie a lot. Um, I was probably let down by it a tad, but it would still highly recommend it. I would give the movie four out of five stars. Um, I do think it's sort of front loaded. The first 15 minutes of the movie are insane and awesome and wonderful. And the rest of the movie, I don't feel lives up to that but it's still very good there were numerous performances in the movie i liked a lot of the characters i I responded to are kind of unorthodox uh sebastian the rat was one i I absolutely adored and uh sylvester stallone as king shark i thought was awesome yeah there was some you know one thing i really like about james gunn is he does some fun casting for his movies and he's not afraid to use actors that aren't the biggest names and he uses them. Michael Rooker is a perfect example to have him in Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, maybe some people knew him from The Walking Dead, but he wasn't a huge name. I mean, he's and been now, in every single one of Gunn's movies. I think the two of them are super close in real life. And I'm glad that he let sticks to that and he has that style. You know, his brother, Sean Gunn, you know, maybe not the greatest actor, but he's I don't know. I think he's fun in those movies. Um <laughs> 
And uh, of course, you get to see uh, a small role from uh, Nathan Fillion, who appeared in uh, previous James Gunn movies. I'm thinking specifically of uh, Super. If you haven't watched Super with Rain Wilson, uh, Ellen Page, Kevin Bacon, and Nathan Fillion, it is uh, a quite disturbing but entertaining take on a superhero movie. Also, not a movie for all tastes. (laughs) No, but hey, it's different. Um, I think the Suicide Squad, uh, the one thing I always think about DC movies, they've been so lacking in humor. I mean, Shazam may have been one example. I mean, that one had a little more humor. But the Batman, uh, Dark Knight movies, although I love them, I don't really have anything bad to say about the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight films. They're very serious. And that same tone was tried to carry over to Man of Steel, which was super serious. Um, I don't know. It just a lot of these films uh, didn't have a lot of humor to them. They're supposed to be fun movies. The humor that they tried to throw into the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League was terrible. I mean, Cyborg yelling "booyah!" It just it was laughable for the wrong reasons. And uh, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, they had a, a few good lines here and there, but really. Um, they don't seem to have the same joy to them that Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok or Spider-Man Homecoming have in the Marvel Universe. So it was really fun to see uh, James Gunn put some levity into the DC Universe. Yeah, uh, Gunn's a really talented filmmaker. I like every movie he's made, and he's quickly becoming a director who excels with their use of music he's right up there with somebody like wes anderson or, or martin scorsese or quentin tarantino uh cameron crow at this point there were numerous needle drops in this movie that i thought were just awesome there's a song that plays over the opening credits called people who died by the jim carroll band super cool getting johnny cash right at the front of the movie awesome uh there's a fratelli song in the movie that works really well i yeah uh, the pixies show up I, I love his use of music, and I thought the movie was a lot of fun. All right, I want to talk about one more film before we get into some movie news. What, what, um, did, what did you rate Suicide Squad? Uh, I'd say four. I mean, it's it's. I, I hate to put it so high, but it it achieved everything it sought out to do. So I, it's hard to knock it for not being an Oscar-winning masterpiece. It's not trying to do that. I didn't like it nearly as well as I liked the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but I probably liked it as well, if not slightly better, than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think you only knock on it because the first Suicide Squad has that baggage to deal with, and then it also, there's a lot of similarities to Guardians of the Galaxy, but if you just put that aside, it's a really good film. Cool. Uh, So um, I want to talk about a film that's coming out on Netflix Next week, actually, uh, August 10th, you will be able to see uh, a new series called Untold. It is actually a a series of films, different documentaries, all on different subjects. But the one that I watched and will be of particular interest to uh, Hoosier audiences is Untold, Malice at the Palace. The uh, story of the Pacers-Pistons brawl, as told with never-seen-before footage uh, with Ron Artest. Reggie Miller, Stephen Jackson, and Jermaine O'Neal, who I actually got to speak to over the phone for about 20 minutes or over Zoom. Uh, I actually sent the audio of that interview to uh, Larry Lannon, and uh, he will include that in his review of the movie when that comes out. 
And it's also available on our Facebook page and on uh, the Film Yap uh, website, the Substack there. So you can watch that interview if you like. To congratulate you on that interview. I thought you did a really nice job. And Jermaine O'Neal was a great interviewee. He seemed like a very nice and, and genuine person. Yeah, I I mean, I liked him before I watched, before I interviewed him, but I liked him even more. He, he, seemed, like, he seemed like a really good dude. Yeah. So the documentary is interesting because if you aren't familiar, I think most of us who grew up here and of a certain age remember November 2004, when Indiana Pacers coming off a year where they just appeared in the Eastern Conference Finals, losing to the eventual champion Detroit Pistons, were coming back the next year with a loaded roster. Not only did they have all of their best players back, but they added a sharpshooter bad boy in Steven Jackson, a little hothead. Uh, and they came into the uh, palace at Auburn Hills in Detroit with the highly anticipated rematch uh, with a 6-2 record. The Pacers proceeded to dominate that game. Our test had 17 points in the first quarter. They looked like clearly the better team. And for many people, it just became obvious that the Pacers were probably going to win the NBA championship that year. But then... In the end of a blowout game, which, interestingly enough, all the starters were still in the game with less than a minute to go, uh, even though the Pacers were up by 10 points and it was clearly out of uh, reach. Um, Ron Artest delivers a hard foul to Ben Wallace. And, of course, shoving happens. And what then happened then, we'll all remember, as uh, tempers were flaring, Ron Artest lays down on the scorer's table and a beer flies out from the stands from a fan, hitting Artest, uh, enraging him. And then Artest goes into the fans and start punching a fan. Steven Jackson follows with blows as well. Jermaine O'Neal, who actually never went into the stands, uh, ends up punching a fan who went onto the court to try to fight Artest. In the documentary, they say something which I've never heard truer words spoken. You have to be crazy to try to go onto a court to fight Ron Artest. Uh, the fan himself is in the documentary. Uh, he kind of looks like Turtle from Entourage, and uh, he's just as likable, and I don't say that in a good way. Uh, he's a guy I did not feel bad for that Jermaine O'Neal slid, and lucky, lucky that Jermaine slid. If he didn't lose his footing, that guy probably would be dead. Uh, but the one takeaway from this documentary is um, how – the players really took the punishment, even though the fans really were to blame in this situation. There wasn't a lot of security. And some of the language that was discussed at this time, um, the players were described as thugs. People blamed it on the hip-hop culture in the NBA, which sounds like coded language to me. Um, there really wasn't a lot of discussion about mental health, which Ron Artest was obviously dealing with, or fan conduct, which now has become an increasing problem. Um, I would encourage people to watch this documentary. Uh, if you are a fan of the Pacers, is an interesting incident. Um, and it really kind of does the whole subject justice. It also made me think about what if. What if that beer doesn't get thrown? Do the Pacers win a title? Is Jermaine O'Neal now considered uh, one of the best to ever play the game? He was very good at that time. And if you add an NBA championship to his resume, he may be considered a Hall of Famer. But unfortunately, after that, he had some injuries, was traded from the Pacers, and, and never really reclaimed the same greatness that he had uh, during those years in Indiana. So my review, I would give this four, four and a half. 
It was about an hour and 10 minutes, a really interesting documentary. I watched it three times. I watched it twice on my own and one with my dad. So I would say that if you are a fan of the Pacers or you remember this incident, this is a must watch for you. So, all right. Uh, now that I've talked so much, I'm going to ask Alex some questions. Uh, so we have an incident in the news that is really getting headlines for the movie industry. Scarlett Johansson. Do we talk about this in the last episode? I don't remember if we did or not. Okay. I don't, maybe we did not. Uh, maybe we talked about the performance of the film Black Widow and how it wasn't doing too well. Well, now the Black Widow isn't doing so great in the box office and Disney decided to put it on streaming. Uh, Scarlett Johansson has decided to sue Disney because in her contract, she got a cut of the box office and Disney did not renegotiate after uh, moving it to streaming in addition to theaters. And now there's rumors that Emma Stone may follow suit following uh, her film Cruella having the same fate. So, Alec, what do you think about these lawsuits and how do you think they're going to affect the movie industry going forward? It's hard to feel too sorry for either side of this uh, equation. All of them are wealthy. All of them are making money. Um, I'd probably have to side with the performer over the studio. Um, if they sign a contract with her in good faith and she's not getting paid the money she could have or should have gotten, uh, they probably owe her something in return. Uh, do you think this will affect going forward deals struck between big name artists and studios? Possibly. I think the, the industry itself is changing a lot right now. It seems like a lot more things are moving towards streaming and a lot more uh, high profile projects are exclusively available on streaming. Um, I hope the movie theater doesn't die out. It's someplace I love and something I love to do, but it wouldn't surprise me if in time it continues to dwindle. All right. So, yeah, actually, I'm on the performer's side in this one. Yes, you're right. She got $20 million. It's hard to feel too sorry for her. But Disney has a lot of money, too. So it's hard to feel bad for them. And a contract's a contract. And sometimes, uh, you know, it's the principle of the matter where maybe she takes this stand and it affects other performers down the road. So I'm actually rooting for her in this matter, even though I wasn't a big fan of the movie. Um, I do think having, you know, I actually feel bad for the movie theater operators, especially the independent ones, because a lot of these studios are moving so much online uh, streaming. Uh, movie theaters are really going to have a hard time going forward and they don't really have any recourse except to say, we won't show your movies if you put them on streaming. They can try to play that card. That would backfire on them. I saw that uh, Gerard Butler is also suing Millennium Media over profits for uh, one of the I think the original Olympus has fallen. That's something that came up in the news this week. And I saw that the rock said he's not going to sue Disney over uh, profits for jungle cruise. So not everybody is feeling litigious. Gerard Butler really needs to sue um, his, his manager. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I like those fallen movies. They're fun, but yeah. my wife likes Gerard Butler. Um, Mine too. Know. Uh, I'm not, a, you know, especially with his association with Catherine Heigl, those two, I can take, I can leave them, you know, really, I don't, I'm not a big uh, Gerard Butler, Catherine Heigl fan. I prefer him to her. <laughs> yeah. It seems like if the Gerard Butler's in a movie, I'm like, Ooh, uh, all right, well, this will be either uh, so bad that it's good or just bad. But 300 is good. If you like, good. If and you I like, like those fallen movies. I don't know if you've seen a lot of slow motion. 
I was a White House down guy instead of Olympus has fallen. I, I like that too. I like all the diehard ripoffs. I've been to all. Of them. <laughs> now, Alex, is there any movies coming up that we should know about that you're about to review for the film Yeah for Grade A movies? I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break. Uh, I might be doing some traveling shortly. Uh, I will be reviewing some stuff late this month and early next, but uh, I won't be writing for a little bit. I know uh, I'll be publishing a review of the the new Candyman at the end of the month, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, there are some interesting movies coming out the next few weeks. I know uh, Free Guy comes out next week. Uh, the buzz on that's been really good. Trying to think what else is coming out shortly. There's an action movie with uh, Maggie Q, Sam Jackson, and Michael Keaton called The Protege. That looks like it could be entertaining. Uh, from Millennium Media, the folks that Gerard Butler is suing. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Is there anything on the horizon that you're hip to? No, I will say one other thing of news. So Disney uh, slash Marvel has announced that uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings the next MCU movie will be theater exclusive. They're not, they may start moving away from the uh, putting things on both streaming and uh, Disney plus exclusive. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that sometimes going forward, but um, that may not be the standard norm. Um, It'll be interesting to see though. Delta variant is surging. So Everything that we think is going to happen, things can always change. The James Bond movie is never coming out. It's going to get pushed. <laughs> Daniel Craig will be, he'll be 75 years old when that film comes out. I hope not. That movie looks really good. I'm excited for it. But uh, yeah, get vaccinated, wear masks, be careful. So we yep. can live our lives normally again, please. And don't make out with a stranger in a bar. Now, that's just because of, not just because of COVID, but just for other reasons. Don't make out with a stranger in a bar. Yeah, I, I definitely can't do that. I'm celebrating my 10th wedding anniversary today. So, uh, congrats, Alex. Thank you. I'm excited. So, what now I saw, get, what did Jamie get you for your anniversary? She got me a uh, jersey of a player I really enjoyed. He was a relief pitcher on the Chicago Cubs. He was recently traded was? with, was, was, uh, his name's Andrew Sh- uh, Chafin. He uh, kind of looks like John C. Riley with a handlebar mustache. He was referred to as the sheriff. This guy is a, a hoot and a half. He often wears a shirt that says failed starter. He, uh, when he got moved to Chicago, he sent out a tweet asking people if he could uh, buy a $2,000 car off of somebody to beat around Chicago in and was asking for the best place to do donuts. So the guy's a go. character. I love him, and I, I miss him. He's with the o- Oakland Athletics now. Did but, she uh, buy it before they had the uh, everything must go sale for the Chicago Cubs? She did. Um, still a very nice gift. I'm still going to wear it proudly. I'm still excited about it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little sad about my Cubs these days. So if you're watching, um, please say a prayer for Alec. He is going through a very hard time with his Chicago Cubs right now. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for uh, watching. Um, If you're interested in this podcast, please subscribe. We are on multiple platforms, Spotify, Sprecher, iTunes, um, YouTube. We have we put the video on Facebook. Larry Landon posted on his Larry and Fisher's podcast, which are available on Spotify and iTunes. So we have so many ways that you can listen or watch. And if you like to read the articles, 
please subscribe to the Substack with the Film Yap. You'll get the articles directly to your email. And if you pay to be a premium or whatever member we're calling it, the paid membership, uh, you'll get all of the articles. And it's actually pretty cheap. What's the price, Alec? I think it's like a buck seventy-five a month, or like twenty-one dollars a year. There you go. It's less than your, you know, banking fees for your bank account, or, uh, I mean, you can't even get something off the the value menu at a fast food restaurant for that price. It used to be the dollar menu. Right. They, they had to change the name because things weren't a dollar anymore. They said the value menu. So uh, it's cheaper than that, and you'll have you'll be supporting local film criticism and getting fun stuff right in your inbox. You can also check out, we do still post on uh, gradeamovies.com, the website, sometimes not as frequently since we are doing some paid content with the film yet, but subscribe to our Facebook page, like the page, and you'll find out everything that we're posting, podcasts, videos, and articles. Uh, And I will end it with Larry's traditional tagline that I encourage everyone to be safe and be kind.